Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo of Pinnacle with me here today after his travels all over the uh, southern part of the United States of America. You might even dipped into the northern parts. I'm not sure we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> we'll get into all sorts of uh, get into all sorts of stuff. We catch up with one another a little bit. Um, summertime. Mortgage rates are up. The Fed wants to raise interest rates, maybe three quarters of a point. A recession still looming. There's a lot of. I'll just, I told Martin, I don't want to go doom and gloom today. And then the first 38 seconds of the show, I'm doom and gloom. So I got to, I got to, I got to pull myself out of it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll dip into a little bit of the doom and gloom, and then we'll give some silver lining too. Okay, we'll see. We're gonna we're we'll gonna put have, some sunshine and clouds inside of that darkness. We're gonna have silver lining. I'll tell you real quick. I'm t- <laughs> coming from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundred. Call that number. Ask for my buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within fifteen minutes and business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle, you get your quote, the rest completely up to you. Shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people what's going on at Pinnacle. Oh, man, we are we are summertime at Pinnacle, which usually tends to be a little bit slower Um you know, slower for us and in, in regards to meeting with folks, just cause you know, it's, it's vacation times. And I know people don't have tons of time with their kids out of school or grandkids out of school. So they try to squeeze all that in. But, um, but man, we've actually been, uh, we've been meeting with, we've been meeting with a decent amount of our clients, as you alluded to the, the road show, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, uh, through sec country and a little bit in the Midwest and Texas. Um, but anyway, yeah, man, we're, we're really, um, when we're meeting with folks, really kind of talking about the plan to making sure that we're still on target, um, you know, to meet, to meet whatever folks goals are, um, whether they're next year or 10 years or 20 years from now. And, you know, the beauty with folks who are, you know, 10, 20, 30 years out from, um, you know, really needing to tap into their funds is man, this, this time is going to be a little blip on the radar. I mean, even back when COVID was, the markets were, were in, in free fall during COVID. We even said that will be a blip. And of course I didn't realize it was going to be as fast of a blip as it was, but, um, but anyway, man, that's kind of, you know, the thing that we can control is, you know, is how we do the planning and the, and what our reactions are, the things we can't control is, you know, what the fed does, what markets do. And we just try to help people from making really, uh, irrational, permanent decisions, uh, which, you know, right now you might hear people go, man, I'm just going to sell everything and go to cash. And it is just, that is the absolute, if you're wanting to commit financial suicide, that's the right thing to do. Uh, I don't think most people want to do that because it's, I mean, you've already, you're already through the worst part of the storm. It's now it's, 
just waiting for the clouds to clear and and uh, the sunshine to come out. So, you know, folks that, that don't have a plan, um, a lot of times all they have to focus on is performance. But folks who have a plan can can look and say, hey, am I on track? Did I get derailed? Are we in good shape and can kind of rest easy? So, man, that's kind of what we're doing with clients. Uh, that was the road show was a lot about that, too. And uh, if that's not happening in your world and you want it to happen, um, you know, you can call us 601-957-0323 or email us info at mypinnwealth.com. And uh, we'll see, you know, have a chat with you. If it makes sense, we move forward. We've had we've had chats with a couple, a lot. Well, I say several listeners to the show and, um, you know, a couple of them have made sense and we've moved forward. And a couple of them, I say, hey, this is really simple. Here's what you need to do. You know, they knock it out and, and, uh, you know, and I take care of them in that way. And then maybe one day it comes back around. So, um, so yeah, man, if that's, if, if your gut's in your throat, give us a shout. We'll see if we can help you. All right. Tell me about the roadshow. Where all did you go? Let's, let's talk towns and stuff. Yeah, man. We kind of did a, I'll tell you where we slept and where we met because we drove through a lot of towns. All right. Um, it was kind of a tour through SEC country accidentally um we did uh reed and i it was eight days uh about 3200 miles on the vehicle and of course i had been home only one day before that trip i had you know previously been uh down at a at a conference which was a you know an 800 mile round trip so i i, I, I locked in about four thousand miles in a two-week period um but so the first uh I guess well, my first stop for my conference was Florida. Um, it was in go, Destin. I know that's a horrible Gators. place to have to do, you know, a conference and go to work. But um, but it was a really good conference. It was um, the the Big Eye, which is the independent insurance agents of Mississippi. Um, they're clients of ours, and also we have several clients that are that are uh, independent insurance agents, and you know, some sell their practice and come to us, and some you know, have clients that they need someone to do the investment work because they're specialists in insurance. And so they'll bring us in and we'll help them, help them out there. Uh, but then, so I came home and we ate, I picked Reed up. We ate lunch in Tuscaloosa. So check, you know, SEC in Alabama. Um, we did eat dinner in, um, not Athens, but we did eat dinner, uh, you know, on the, on the east side of, of Atlanta, and then we stopped and stayed in Columbia, South Carolina, which is, we had a client there. So, you know, check, check Georgia, check South Carolina. <laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of people, we have this conversation on the Oxford Exxon podcast, some like SEC towns and stuff. Um, I love Columbia, South Carolina, yet a lot of, a lot of people despise it. I mean, they hate it. And I, every time I go, I really like it. And, and people tell me that, oh, you wouldn't like it if you live there and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, I, I, I didn't say I was living there. But if, if, yeah, man, I, if I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Columbia was a cool town. So we stayed downtown Columbia. Yeah. And, um, you know, it kind of had a little bit of a Jackson feel and like, you know, some of the buildings were older. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it wasn't like a brand new town, um, you know, with lots of new construction going on. Um, but man, there were people in the streets, there was a uh, live music going on outside. So Reed and I were kind of walking around downtown when we got there and it was late when we got there. I mean, it was like nine o'clock. Um, 
And uh, we sat down, listened to a little bit of music, had a couple snacks uh, to gear up for our our uh, client meeting, you know, the next morning. But man, I, I really enjoyed Columbia. It was a happening town. You know, unfortunately, Jackson, that could never happen in Jackson or would never, will never happen in Jackson. Jackson is just, the downtown area is completely dead yeah. after five o'clock. Uh, and it's really unfortunate, man, because Jackson, there's so much things that Jackson could be, and um, and it's just not. And I don't, I don't know what. And I know people say, "Oh, don't don't bring a problem to the table without a solution." And I like that. I like that saying. You know, hey, if you're going to come to me with a problem, come come with a solution too. Uh, I don't know what a solution is. I don't know how you fix Jackson. Well, um, I mean, you'd have to have brand new leadership. Yeah, and there's got to be revenue from somewhere, and there's just not. And you've got to have you've got to have someone. You got to have someone who has vision, who could somehow convince corporations to move there. Yeah. Good luck. You would have to. You would have to take every bit of the corruption that is in that city government out. Good luck. Um, I don't think it's doable. I mean, I, I'm, and I hate that because there I have friends who are invested in hotels and su- such down there, and yeah, I, I would love nothing more than for them to do well. Yeah, I mean, like there's really nice places downtown. Like the Westin mm-hmm. is a is the newest place that's really downtown. That's cool. We've got there's a there's another hotel. I can't remember the name of it. It has kind of like a rooftop. It may be called like the Faulkner or something like that. A rooftop patio. It's you know, it's really, really cool. I mean, it, but no one goes to Jackson just because the <laughs> the crime and and the it's falling apart, man. It's I wish it was different. I really, I really do. I wish, I wish something could change. Yeah, you'd have to completely eradicate. You, you, you'd have to completely change the culture of the city. Yeah, I think you just have to start. I mean, you have to start from scratch. And I don't know how you do that with a city. I mean, I know how you do it with a business, right? But I don't know how you do that with a city. I mean, people have done it. Uh, Birmingham's completely revitalized. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma I mean, Mem- Oklahoma Memphis City is completely part. revitalized. Dude, so Oklahoma City was on the latter part. Well, and we can talk about right, that we'll as get we go through. But right. it was – Oklahoma City was awesome. All right. So, yeah, I, I, know, I love awesome. it. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd I'm, never been. So. Yeah, I, and, and it gets better every time. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to um, – to going back there soon. Um, I've, I've selfishly told my son that, Hey, when you start looking at schools, you really should look at OU. And part of that is because I, I like OKC. Um, Dude, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it's, I know it's a hidden gem. Do you know, it's a top, and it's a top 20 city now in the country in terms of did, population. It doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know that. But when we pulled in, when we were coming into Oklahoma city, here's my ignorance. I thought I was going to roll up on Oklahoma city and I was going to roll up on Jackson. That's just in my head. I was like, there's nothing in Oklahoma. I mean, there's oil and stuff, but, you know, there's nothing in Oklahoma, oil and Indians. And that was what was in my head. Mm -hmm. And, uh, dude, I was totally underestimated Oklahoma City, which is really, very quickly, even reading, I was like, dude, I want to come back here just to explore. Yeah. Because this looks like a really cool city. Their downtown, you expect it to, like, pull in and it be just tumbleweeds. 
Yeah, that's dude. That's kind of and yeah, <laughs> like the old west. You sort of expect to see somebody saunter up to you on a horse and uh, say, "Howdy, yeah, partner." A little, little wagon, yeah, and, and to it, a horse. And it's, <laughs> it's not that at all. It's uh, and yet it's and a super like friendly town. Talking bad about you know Oklahoma, like it's like being in the gutter and calling someone <laughs> trash. Well, they benefited greatly when they when they got the NBA team there. Uh, in all seriousness, yeah. they did, uh, and they've got a, a beautiful minor league ballpark down there in. Um, right there in downtown um they've and then there's two or three areas i, I haven't been there in so long that i can't remember what they're called but um two or three areas that are really cool kind of you know where the young people go and they have lots of restaurants and bars and um gotcha. you know they're kind of working on you know their 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 art scene and all that stuff is still sort of developing um but i i think it's i think it's fast becoming when I say destination city, I don't mean to go on a vacation. I think it's fast becoming a place that young people look at and go, this wouldn't be a bad place to start my career. That's right. I mean, and, and I mean, the proximity to Dallas makes it, you know, very attract, attractive as well. And, and the cool thing that, uh, that I noticed too, is like Stillwater where Oklahoma state is, is only probably, I'm going to just guess 45 minutes to an hour north of oklahoma city i think it's a little more than and, that and, and then but, but is it yeah but okay. you can get there relatively close you can get there in an hour and a half and you can get to okay. to norman in about 20 25 minutes yeah i mean norman was literally still a, a the sprawl of oklahoma city yeah south yeah uh which i thought was just really cool man because it's like you know your two you know two inner in-state rivals are really not far from each other which is kind of cool. Well, and that's, you know, people always ask me like bucket list and I, and I never can think of it in the moment, but if I have a minute to think about it, one of like my bucket list games and I, I need to go soon because they might not be playing each other because Oklahoma's going to the SEC, but I want to go to Bedlam, the yeah. OU Oklahoma state game. I want to go to Bedlam because I think it's just, it's crazy. I, I need to like make that happen. Yeah. So Oklahoma city, that's my, that's my revealed diamond in the rough. That was my, unexpected gym that i loved the most but so i'll and right, i'll so back we, up let's, to, let's back uh, up so you, you you were in columbia south carolina where'd you go next so we went to raleigh north carolina after columbia and raleigh has quickly become a uh, a city that i really really like too yeah um it, and so the story behind raleigh i don't know if you know this or not uh we have a couple of vendors in raleigh that are tech related for our firm and then i have a i have a client there too uh, so it's kind of a, that was a dual purpose meeting. I was meeting with our vendors and then meeting with, with our client. But so <clears throat> Raleigh, maybe 10 years ago was Jackson, like falling apart, hole in the wall. Um, and so when I went to Raleigh for the first time, I went downtown, I asked our vendor <clears throat> there, I was like, man, like these buildings look new. And he's like, dude, this Raleigh, downtown Raleigh is brand new. I was like, well, what's, what's the deal? What happened? He's like, man, no one used to come downtown. He's like, it was dangerous. And he's like, and we really had a problem with, um, you know, with homeless in downtown Raleigh and it just wasn't safe. <clears throat> and I was like, okay. I was like, well, what happened? And he's like, he's like, this is crazy to say this. He's like, but one day we woke up and all the homeless people were gone. I was like, okay, did they just like get on a train or what happened? He's like, uh, rumor is, is that they were rounded up on buses and sent to different parts of the country. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty aggressive. 
Uh, but you know, someone, someone, uh, you know, did something about it and, and then, you know, and then it revitalized downtown. So Raleigh is, uh, is a, is a cool play. I really like Cary, North Carolina too, just right outside of Raleigh. There's a little place there called, uh, Drive Shack, which we're not sponsored by Drive Shack. So this is a shameless plug. We're not making any money. Uh, it's kind of like Top Golf, except for you can play games that's like an accuracy game. Like you can play, they have blackjack where they deal you cards laid out on the, you know, all the way from the, where you're driving the, <clears throat> or where you're hitting from all the way to the back fences. And I have different cards that you look at on the screen. You try to hit those cards and make 21. So it's a lot of fun. So like even people who suck at like playing golf can have fun at drive shack oh i'm and, looking uh, at the site right now so re- a driving range read. is only half the story at drive shack yeah dude it's cool man and they've got one in orlando yeah. i think there's one in maybe palm beach there's one in raleigh um so reed i i don't know if our listeners know this you may not even know this so reed my my business partner he played golf at old miss and uh, he's a really really good golfer i've never even come close to beating him in anything related to golf and i beat him in blackjack it drops. I took a picture of it too, so that I have a memorial that, uh, you know, that, that I beat him in a game of golf, although it was blackjack at drive shack. It wasn't on a golf course, but it doesn't matter. We were hitting a small ball with a club. So it was golf and I beat him. That's an accomplishment. That is. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the pictures and stuff. It looks cool. It is cool, man. They have darts. They have this little game where you, you know, try to hit monsters and blow. It's fun, man. Christopher loves it. Uh, so anyway, we went from Raleigh to Asheville, um, and then we had a client in Cashers, North Carolina, which is a really um, beautiful part of the country. Uh, kind of the beginning of the Smoky Mountains on the North Carolina side is really, really nice. And then we drove up to Knoxville, and we were actually there during the Super Regionals. We have two clients in Knoxville. Um, yep, yep. We didn't talk baseball with them because uh, they had just uh, <laughs> they had just lost to Notre Dame. Uh, when we got there, what do you think of Knoxville? Uh, dude, the, we stayed on West Knoxville, um, which is kind of newer and nice. Uh, we went downtown Knoxville when we arrived, uh, we ate Chipotle, uh, apparently on campus, on campus, we were on Cumberland, which I don't know anything about. I've never been on campus. Well, I guess that's not true. I have been on campus. I just didn't know I was on campus. Um, and it seems like, uh, UT's campus is maybe a little more urban than I, I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. Uh, downtown Knoxville looked kind of, you know, Jackson-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but the west side of Knoxville was uh, was really nice. That's where we stayed. And um, and then we had a client in Chattanooga that we went to go. We had two in, in Chattanooga we went to see. And then uh, Nashville on the way out to visit with another client. And then we drove to st louis from nashville um and then from st louis we were to oklahoma city my favorite little gym and then down to fort worth and then home dude so it was a, it was a it was a long a long eight days on the road reed and i are really good friends so obviously we're business partners too but uh on the friday we were coming home he had been in the car with me for i think we calculated it was about 40 hours at that point um, you know, we were at about miles 2,800, 2,900. Uh, he didn't talk to me too much on the way home. He was ready to be home with his, 
<laughs> with his wife and kids. And I talk a lot. I probably got on his nerves and he's like, dude, just shut up. I was going to so, ask, did y'all ever have like a fight? Did you argue? We did not, man. Uh, I think the only time that I irritated him was um, the stretch from Fort Worth to Jackson. Um, he drove half of the way. I drove half of the way. Uh, he says I'm an aggressive driver. Uh, but what that what that really means is that I drive in the right lane. And then when I need to pass someone, I scoot over and pass them. And then I get back in the right lane where Reed just drives in the left lane the whole time. Oh, I, I would, I would not like Reed. Yep. <laughs> You're not supposed so, uh, to hang in the left lane. Yeah. You're and that's what I told him. I said, left lane is for passing. It's for passing only. And he said, uh, he's like, left lane is where I'm the most comfortable driving. I said, yes, sir. You're driving. So y'all went on I-20 from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just And man, it was actually not a bad shot from Fort Worth on 20 because I mean, we missed all of the Dallas stupidity um, cause we were South of the city on, uh, on 20. So it was, it was an easy ride home and we left, we left Fort Worth at about one o'clock. So we also missed the, you yeah. know, heavy afternoon. One o'clock. So you got back to, you got back leaving. to Jackson around seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. My, and we did stop in, uh, we stopped in your neck of the woods for, uh, for a little bit of a dinner snack. Oh, so. where'd, where'd you stop? Uh, we were just outside of Ruston when okay. we, we got some gas and, and grabbed a bite to eat. Did you go to the statue? I have not been to the statue. Man. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. So is that in Ruston? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, our part, our partner <laughs> firm it's a, it's a is based in Ruston. Oh, Party. really? Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they're, they're headquartered in, in Ruston. So when I go see, uh, when I go see the guys there, I'll. I'll ask him. Uh, yeah. Say, hey, Neil said, take me to the statue. Yeah. Say, say, Neil said, take him to his statue. <laughs> to his statue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, man, it was a good trip. Um, you know, surprisingly, you know, well, and Reed and I have been close quarters for a long time, just even here at Pinnacle. So, you know, and we've worked together for shoot almost ten years, man. Um, so we didn't get on each other's nerves until. I got on his nerves at the end because I was an aggressive driver. But it is what it is. You know what's funny about DFW? Like all the kids want to move there. Like my daughter, you know, loves Dallas, wants to go there, or thinks she does. And and it's so it's so sprawl and it's like there's parts of Dallas that I love, there's parts of Dallas that I don't love. I get it. I get why it's so attractive to young people. Well, and so I learned, I learned something about Dallas and Fort Worth, um, last week too, which is that they're not the same. Uh, Fort Worth is a totally separate city with a totally separate personality and different culture. Yes, completely. And then Dallas is, you know, a totally different personality type. And it was explained to me that, um, Fort Worth is where you have the millionaire driving the $5,000, 20-year-old beat-up truck. Dallas is where you have the, you know, 30-year-old making $50,000 driving a, ran- uh, a Land Rover. Yeah. I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it's kind of like Dallas is flashy. Fort Worth is just very plain Jane vanilla. That's kind of my, cool. my point. Like I tell, 
I tell Campbell all the time, my oldest, she talks about Dallas, and I'm like, eh, I get it, but you're just you're just throwing a lot of money away there, um, yeah. you know. But but you want to go someplace where there's a lot of young people and all that. I completely understand. Yeah. Well, dude, my brother just moved to Fort Worth, and I kept calling it Dallas. I didn't realize, you know, I, mean, I was I'm an idiot, man, in that regard. I don't know differences until we were there this week, and um. But he lives west of Fort Worth in a place called Walsh, which is a little just a little suburb of Fort Worth and a really nice little community. It was a farm. Um, but they moved there because and there and it makes sense. His personality type is, you know, he's gonna end up being the millionaire that drives the five thousand dollar truck that's twenty years old. He's not the Lambo, you know, thirty five year old with a Lamborghini making, you know, hundred grand a year. So there's something for everyone there. You just got to figure out the right place, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think I would live in Fort Worth. Well, I think I would too. But you and I are both a little older and practical at this point. I can I can see why a 22, 23 year old would look at Dallas and go, "Yeah, this is for me." But yeah, I and mean, that's cool, man. And that's what I love about it is like, man, if that's for you, rock and roll, man. Go have at it. Go get your Lambo or your Range Rover. And dude, another thing this. Here's a little bit of ignorance on my part too. I didn't. I thought for some reason I thought TCU was somewhere else in Texas. I did not realize that TCU was right there in Fort Worth. Was in Fort Worth. Yeah, I, right I, I had no clue. Yeah, I so got like sent- SMU is Dallas. Yeah. TCU is Fort Worth, and yeah. I'm like, all right, there's another that this makes so much sense now to understand the dynamics. So yeah, and that makes total and- that makes total <laughs> sense when you've been there, right? <laughs> it does, and it, it may, I saw this huge football stadium, and I I asked Reed, I was like. Dude, Jerry Land is in Dallas. Like, what stadium is that? And he's like, dude, that's TCU. And I was like, oh my god, I had no idea. Yeah, Jerry Land is massive now. Jerry World. It's it's Jerry World. It's, Jerry World. it's incredible. <laughs> it, it is it is an incredible facility. You know, and I'm sure, and I've never looked at it. I would love to break down the economics of Jerry World because he has built a marketing empire. And even though his team sucks for the most part. I shouldn't say sucks. I, you know, that's really wrong for me. So those are professionals and they're good at what they do. Uh, for the amount of money they worth, they're worth, they're very average for the amount of money that they're worth. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, he, they built that for, for so much more than just the Cowboys, though. I mean, they, they oh, you sure. know, they've turned, sure, it, sure, sure. they've turned it into, it's just such a big time arena. The, the one I'm looking forward to seeing is um, Allegiant Stadium in, in Vegas. Oh, the Death Star. Yeah, I want to see the Death Dude, Star. So, have you and I talked professional football at all ever? I don't think we have. No, no. Because I, I don't really care for professional football that much. I mean, I, when I was in D.C., I became a Skins fan because I was, you know, in it's D.C. A, it's command, I don't follow it's command, the Saints. It's Commanders, Martin. Don't, please don't offend. They're the Redskins. Uh, so, <laughs> when I was in D.C., I was a Redskins fan. Still have all my Redskins stuff. I have a Smoot jersey. See, representing a Mississippi boy yeah, for, sure. you know, for uh, a Redskins fan. But I, re- I really don't care about the NFL that much. It just doesn't do anything for me. I love college football. And so uh, Christopher, my son, who is, you know, anything sports, he's just a fanatic about. Uh, loves loves the NFL. He's a Saints fan. You know, just a good little Mississippi boy. And um, so the Raiders are playing. We're watching it. And I'm just hanging out with him and watching what's on TV. And uh, they call the stadium the Death Star, and it perked me up. You know, I'm a Star Wars nerd. I love Star Wars. I was like, that's my team. And he's like, what? And he's like, Dad, you don't even know. He's like, who's the coach? I was like, I have no idea. I don't care. 
that's my team. If there's if they call their stadium the Death Star, that's my team. So I'm a Raiders fan now. Oh, how about that? Yeah, I don't even know who. Yeah, I don't know anything about the Raiders, and I won't learn anything about the Raiders. I don't care. Uh, but their stadium is nicknamed the Death Star, so that's my team. So if you ever go to a game and you need a, someone to go with you, I do want to go to the Death Star. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm headed there soon um, to that stadium, but it's it's to see soccer. That's cool. Oh, speaking of soccer, dude, did you see they released the cities for the World Cup for yeah <clears throat> for when it's going to be in the U.S. I did, dude. We have so many that are close. The one to I, us, want, like I want proximity wise. I want to go to Kansas City, dude. Me too, man. That's the one I want to go be, to. It's going to be at the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Yeah, I, I thought. I mean, I, I get it because it seats more people. So many. But um, anyway, go ahead. I that's gonna. Talk. Well, this is gonna be a hell of a of an event, man. I mean, the World Cup in Kansas City, which is a soccer crazy town. They love. Yes, it. it is. And yes, um, I see. And it's also like, dude, if it was at Sportings Stadium, which I know it won't because just of the capacity. But that would be so awesome. I've never been to that stadium. I've, it's it's kind of on my bucket list of things to do. Um. I've I've yet to be able, I, I guess, because the quality of play is just not quite there. If you watch English Premier League, it's very difficult yep. to turn around and watch Major League Soccer. Yep. Although Major League Soccer is getting better, it's getting it's getting better. Yeah. That's I've watched true. I've watched some games. It is absolutely getting better. They just signed the new streaming deal with Apple Plus. Yep. Um, that I think is going to help. The the it just the, the it sport. doesn't have the money that. And the legacy no. that the Premier League has had. No. So just, well, we're an infant well, in this Well, arena. look. I mean, look. The, this is the thing. In the entire world, the only league that, that compares to the English Premier League is the National Football League. I mean, that's it. Yeah. I mean, true. you know, the EPL is just, it's a beast. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is the beast. Yeah. That's where everyone wants to play. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a great young player, you, that's your goal. I mean, you see guys leaving La Liga and Bundesliga yep. and, and, and all of that now. But, 100%. but you see, uh, I think it was Chelsea, is uh, is looking at, at uh, Chicago Fire, one of their goalkeepers or something. So the fact that they're starting to even scout MLS yep. should tell you that, hey, the quality of play is not so bad. And you go to some of these cities, and Kansas City is a great example. They, they get huge crowds. At their MLS games, it's a, it's an event. It's and and it's mostly if you look around, it's mostly young people, which is if you're running a business, that's awfully encouraging because those people yeah. have a little more time uh, here on the on the big rock, and they might still be making babies. And if their babies become fans, well, you know how that cycle works. So yeah, I mean, dude, absolutely. I mean, and that's and but it's 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 my generation too that. Where at least in the South, where soccer really kind of started to go, okay, this is a uh, something we're going to do and we're going to play, and it's now, you know, my generation is forty, with a little bit of disposable income, that can, you know, go to matches and take vacations to destination cities to go to matches and stuff like that. Well, it's so big with young people, because you know it's it's when I was growing, I'm fifty two, so when I was growing up, nobody played soccer. And, you know, when I was in my 20s or 30s, the people who played soccer, like at schools and high schools and stuff, those were typically like the geeks or whatever. And that's not the case anymore. And so you have these these young people who play soccer who now can watch 
Premier League and La Liga and Bundesliga and MLS and all this stuff. It's 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 they can stream it on their devices, obviously. Well, those people like, you know, they're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old right now. Well, in 10 years, they're the ones that are young. They've got their, you know, they got a job, starting to have just a little bit of expendable income, can't afford NFL tickets, but they can afford MLS tickets. And that's where I think these fan bases grow. Like you see that beautiful stadium that they built in Nashville for, um, you know, dude, absolutely Nashville SC and, and that's a cool event. And the thing is, I think we can get hung up on quality of play, but if you build these cool stadiums and you put them in places where there's bars and pubs and restaurants and stuff around and you make it an event, it's a two hour game. If the game starts at two, it's generally over at four. You know, yep. you get together with your buddies at, at, at noon, you you have a couple of pints and, and you go to the game and after the game you go have a couple and you know it's a, it's an it's an outing and that's that's how you build popularity and it's worked in Kansas City and Cincinnati and Nashville and um lots of other venues and yep. you know before the pandemic they were talking about building an MLS stadium right there on River North in Chicago. I, I don't I haven't heard the latest on that. Carson and I, my son, have been out to a couple of Chicago Fire games when we were up in Chicago. You had to take you had to take transportation out to like the West Side. It's like Brookfield or something. That's where it is. You know, it's not a particularly. But it was fun. But it was kind of. It was. It would have been more fun if it was there in the city. In the city, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's like in Atlanta, man. Like Christopher and I have gone to some Atlanta FC games or Atlanta United. And um, and it's in Mercedes Benz. So like we stayed downtown. We walked through like Centennial Park area, and um, you know we walked to the stadium. We walked back to our hotel. It was a lot of fun, man. All right. Um, I guess we should talk about stuff. Yeah, we can talk about all the other cities that we're going to be having World Cup hosted. <laughs> Where are they? Oh, dude? I love I love soccer, and I love. I'm so glad that. And one of the cool things, very selfishly, and we can move on to another topic, uh, is so when when World Cup comes, you know, Christopher's going to be uh, 22. Bella is going to be 20. Uh, so, and but Christopher, obviously, I mean, like he is, he's playing soccer at Millsaps. Uh, he's pole vaulting at Millsaps. Like he's an athlete and he loves soccer. So this is going to be a, such an awesome ex- event or experience for me being very selfish because it's like, it's something my kid is passionate about and loves. And we're going to get to watch, you know, the biggest games in the world in the U S it's going to be awesome. So, so I'm, the, the I'm cities, very selfishly excited. The cities in North America, New York, New Jersey. So they're going to play it out at the yeah. Met life the or whatever Bull. it's called. Yeah. Are they playing at Red Bull or Met life? No, they're playing Met life. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia, they'll play it at, um, the Eagle uh, Stadium. Eagle is that Lincoln? Yeah, whatever. It says Boston, and I wonder whether that's Foxborough or whether that's in a, a, a stadium in Boston. I don't know. I bet it is going to be Foxborough because I know the San Francisco one is is actually Santa Clara uh, or wherever the Forty Nine ers Stadium is. Right. It Santa Clara is that where? Yeah, so I found it here. So this is actually it's turning into a soccer show. You just never know what's going to happen on Mind of My Money. All right, they're playing in Seattle. They're playing at uh, Lumen Field, which is the Seahawks stadium. Okay. 69,000. It, it'll, it'll be once they put it in uh, 
once they put it in um, soccer, it'll hold 61-8-12. And that is where the Seattle Sounders play also. They play um, okay. They play MLS there. I don't in know San Francisco, it's, it's at uh, Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. It'll hold... Yep. It'll hold 70,909. In Los Angeles, it's in Inglewood at SoFi Stadium where they played the Super Bowl this last year. It'll hold 70,000. Um, they're playing in Dallas. We mentioned Jerry World. Yep. I imagine it's going to be at Jerry World. It is Jerry right. World. It is Jerry okay. World. I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, that would be not be a terrible place to go see the World Cup. Um, oh, dude, I'm going. I'm going to try to get tickets for Dallas. I'm going to try to get tickets for Kansas City. I'm going to try to get tickets for Atlanta. If I can get tickets in Miami, you know, I'm going to – I'll go down to Miami. And I've got yeah, I've got family in Miami, so it's a lot easier to do do that and kill not knock some of that expense down. Because, like, where my family lives is actually not far from Hard Rock. Uh, Dallas, uh, by the way, is what, where the semifinals and finals will be. Whoop, whoop. Um, I, I doubt I'll be able to get a ticket to the finals. Probably not. Um, so Houston would be an option for you. Houston is going to host the quarterfinal and the third place match at NRG Stadium there in in, in Houston. Yeah, I, I bet you what's going to happen. There's going to probably be a several of the soccer dads from our area. I bet we end up carpooling to some of these to some of these places. Um, Kansas City. They're going to play at Arrowhead. It's yep. quarterfinal and third round games will be played. At uh, at Arrowhead, I mean, I that's the one I want to go to. Yeah, um, I do too, man. I mean, dude, if you want a road trip, I'll road trip with you. Uh, I just remember we're we're if we drive, we're cool because I'm a right lane driver, passing the left lane, get back in the right. There lane. you go. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta's drivable. It's a, a semifinal yep. game at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Um, let's see. Miami is at uh, Hard Rock, in yep. out in Miami Gardens. That is going to be a quarterfinal. Um, Philadelphia is going to play at Lincoln Financial Field, which we talked about. That's going to be a quarterfinal and a uh, third third place game. And then uh, we mentioned MetLife. It's going to be the opening game. Now this is the opening game and the final. I don't know whether that's. I don't know. I wonder if it's. I wonder if that's bracket. If, if I wonder if that's. Boston, by the way, is Foxborough, and it's going okay. to be it's going to be home to one of the semifinals. And then in Mexico, uh, Mexico City at Estadio Azteca, which is yeah. a very um, very famous stadium. A there, very famous stadium. And dude, honestly, it would be kind of cool to go to a game there too. They're going to have um, an opening. I just match don't know there. the expense. Yeah, I don't either. I've never been to Mexico City, that, and I've heard I haven't either. I've heard it's awesome. Dude, Mexico City World Cup is probably going to be stupid exciting. Yeah. Uh, Monterey, they're playing at uh, Estadio BBVA. It's going to be a round of 16 game. Uh, Guadalajara is at uh, Estadio Akron. Okay. They're going to have a round of 16 game there. Uh, in Canada, Vancouver. In Canada, they're going to play it at uh, BC Place in uh, in Vancouver, which is where the Whitecaps play. It's also where the British Columbia Lions play Canadian football. It's a round of sixteen game in Toronto. So this is interesting. In Toronto, I would have thought they might play at Skydome, but they're not. They're playing at BMO Field, which is oh the home to really? uh, Toronto FC. Yeah. It's also the home to the Toronto Argonauts. 
It's a round of uh, 16 game. What's the what's the capacity in that in BMO? Uh, yeah, um, forty five thousand five hundred okay. for the World Cup. It'll be forty thousand one hundred. Wow! So it's gonna be half of the, yeah, essentially half of the seats in the yeah, in football stadiums in the U.S. Wow! And I mean, and honestly, like I probably am not gonna get to Toronto or Vancouver. Probably not gonna get to Seattle or San Francisco or L.A. either, uh, or New York or Foxborough for that matter, or Philly. Um, but, but dude, I, uh, I'm going to be saving some, I'm going to be saving some Jack and I'm going to spend it like I wanted at the casinos whenever, uh, whenever world cup comes. I mean, dude, I just, I love world cup, man. It's, and I just love soccer too. So it's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to this fall in November and December. We're going to, yeah. we're going to have <laughs> just so weird that world cup is not happening yeah, right now. But we're going to have NFL, college football, World Cup. Yep. Um all that stuff going on at once. It's it's actually just going to be sports overload, frankly. And then, you know, by then the NBA will be going. I'm an NBA guy. I love it. I turn it on in my office when I'm working. It's fun. I, I enjoy it. Um yeah, it's going to be sports overload at that point. But yeah, summer of 26 if I'm still fortunate enough to be here and be healthy and whatnot. That's like a, Carson will be twenty at that point. That'll be that'll be a fun that'd be a fun experience. Yeah, dude. I mean that'll that'll be a fun experience. Especially for Carson, dude, since he's a player of the game and loves it. I mean oh, yeah. and then you as a dad watching your kid have the time of his life. I mean, that's a Well that's it's fun watching thing, him so. now because like he's playing high school ball and he's playing club ball and and you know, it's when they're little kids there's not a lot of strategy and even in like in middle school and stuff and travel that you can see the strategy, but they're not good enough to execute it. Yep. And, and now you see them like they had a scrimmage the other night against Tupelo. And in the first portion of the scrimmage, they, it was really hot and the heat got them and uh, they, they, they didn't possess the ball and Tupelo had them running and they were gassed and they all looked like hell and they were bent over and, dying and it was like man they had a break and the coach came and talked to him and stuff and then in the second second stanza of the scrimmage they really took what they 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 knew what they'd screwed up and they kind of fixed it and they played really pretty soccer and uh it's fun and now you can as a i never played the game i never really watched the game before carson and so i'm 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 kind of learning soccer as i go and and now i catch myself like I'm upstairs and I'll be on the Peloton or whatever and I'll turn on a La Liga game or something like that or or uh, the Spanish league which is um yeah La Liga yeah yeah it's in Syria is Italian Syria is the one I was thinking about sometimes Bundesliga those, Germany yeah well yeah I, I kind of I kind of like Bundesliga by the way um, yeah no we'll, German dude the Germany league is is legit it's just they play different it, soccer too that's they do play different soccer that's yeah, what's they play interesting Dutch style. yeah it's it's interesting to kind of now that I've, I've watched enough soccer to sort of begin to understand it, and so it makes it fun. And so, um, yeah, I'll I'll watch an MLS game. I mean, just for the hell of it. Um, just yeah. And the cool thing about like just to kind of learn the World sport. Cup, and just like what you've experienced when you watch the Premier League stuff or European professionals, is you get to see the personalities of the countries and their style of play. It's like Spain has a very fast 
you know, lots of passes. It's like a little ping pong match that's our pinball match that's happening, you know, on the field. Uh, and then the Brazilians just are, have so much flair and kind of show off and, and, uh, and they play fast as well. And then like the Germans are very disciplined, uh, possess the ball, uh, try to slow the game down, uh, and then just dart you with, when you make a mistake, they make you pay for it. And then you have British style, which is kind of like, I look at like American football. It's like, they're just going to smash mouth you. And, and they play a very disciplined game of soccer. And the Italians are kind of flary, like the Spanish. It is cool to see the personalities there. Yeah. So I, I enjoy it. Um, you know, it's, it's been a fun thing for us because he, he likes, he likes Chelsea and I, Jokingly, well, I joke. He's, he's I, intelligent. I jokingly like Tottenham, <laughs> and you know, dude, I like Tottenham too. Uh, they've actually a gotten a lot better. Um, Son is terrific, and it looks like they're they're at least trying to hang on to Harry Kane, and they've gone in and made some acquisitions, and you know, I I'll get up early on a Saturday or a Sunday and and turn it on. It's just I enjoy it. It's kind of fun. Um, let's, before we, before we bolt, let's touch on, let's touch on some of these items. Let's actually talk about, about money for a minute. All right. So the big story <laughs> here is, is the fed. Yep. Fed official calls for aggressive hike rates. Um, this is Michelle Bowman says the central bank needs to raise interest rates above certain measures of anticipated inflation rates. They're talking about a said she strongly supports the Fed's 0.75 percentage point rate increase last week and that she would favor raising the central bank's benchmark rate by another 0.75 point or 75 basis points at the central bank's next meeting, July 26th and 27th. Uh, she says, based on current inflation readings, I expect that an additional rate increase of 75 basis points will be appropriate in our next meetings as well as increases of at least 50 basis points in the next few subsequent meetings as long as the incoming data support them. Um, she said she supported raising short-term interest rates so that after adjusting them for inflation or in real terms, they are no longer negative. Last week's rate increase brought the central bank's benchmark federal funds rate to a range between 1.5% and 1.75%. So explain it to people like me, like we're five, what this means. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to back up before I dive into the explanation, because I'm going to, I want to talk about the things that raising rates from the feds tools, what they don't do, which is, I think, uh, when I watched the, the Senate, you know, um, testimony yesterday when Jay Powell was, and he does this every, after every fed meeting, he goes to, um, you know, to both houses or both chambers and, um, you know, and takes questions from them. And that's, that's become a part of the, the process. And, uh, and now it's televised where it used to, I mean, before no one cared, um, you know, and now, now people care. And, and, and it's funny yesterday, one of the um, one of our senators said that he was the most powerful person in the world from an economic standpoint, which I have been saying that for, you know, for, uh, for years and I pay attention to what the fed does, but anywho, 
one of the things that the Fed can't control is uh, so like they control the, when they measure inflation, they are they are measuring core inflation, which is um, <clears throat> everything minus food and energy. So headline inflation is food and energy, which which both of those are really two of the um, two of the sectors or areas where there's been the most inflation, right? And gas prices and at the grocery store. Um, but there's nothing that the Fed has. Their tools do not do not impact energy prices or food prices because their tools really are are financial impacts, which will slow down lending, um, you know, squeeze out like in the housing markets. You raise interest rates for mortgages, uh, demand drops for, um, you know, for housing. Uh, you know, you raise the rates for, you know, auto loans, people, the demand for auto loans will begin to, you know, to abate <clears throat> and fall. You raise the rates for, you know, the, what businesses can borrow money to build new stuff, then it'll slow down, um, you know, uh, what's called CapEx or capital expenditure spending. But by raising rates, it does not bring down the price of fuel or the price of food, which fuel drives the price of food as well. So that was one of the things that he was talking about, you know, what the Senate, the, some of the Senate members, which we elected them, I'm going to start saying, I'm going to start it with that. We elected them. And, um, I don't know what that says about us as an American people, but they asked the dumbest questions to him. I have no idea how he kept a straight face while, um, you know, while, while, testifying to them because they kept asking the same questions like what are you going to do about fuel prices what are you going to do about you know grocery store prices and he kept telling them i that's your job you guys have the power to create policy to you know to help with those things i don't have those tools um so anyway you know even if even if we if they raise rates you know another three quarters of a of, of a percent 0.75 that's on the sh that's short-term rates um, so short-term rates are behind the eight ball on, you know, as they relate to inflation. But if you get out to the, um, you know, the longer term bonds, like your 30 year bonds, those interest rates, and we're talking about core CPI here, not core is the core inflation is minus food and, and energy, but those interest rates are starting to get closer and closer to, um, to what inflation really is because they're going up as well. And then if you're talking about long-term inflation, like over a period of 30 years, they're ahead of what long-term inflation is going to be. That's why those don't have a long-term negative, um, you know, negative real return because you've got a longer period of time. Inflation's not going to stay at, you know, 6% core inflation is not going to stay like that for 30 years. But on short-term things like, a, you know, a one-year treasury bill or note, um, you know, if you're treasure, if you're getting 2% on your one year treasury note and inflation six, you are behind, you have a negative real return, um, on the short term. So that's how you can have, you know, negative real returns. Um, that, and that's why they're saying he's behind the eight ball. Cause they say that, you know, short term bonds should be pretty much in check with inflation. However, on the flip side for a long period of time from like 2009 through, you know, 
through last year, short-term bonds, even though they weren't paying a whole lot of interest, you know, they were paying 1% or so interest, but inflation was literally at zero. So it was ahead of, you had a positive real return by 1%. So the goal was short-term, you know, short-term bonds is to be, you know, just keeping pace with core inflation. Um, but the problem is, man, is, and I don't have to tell you this, I don't have to tell our listeners, the problem is not the core stuff. The core stuff is like housing, cars, um, you know, durable goods, like toothpaste, toothbrush, uh, shampoo, stuff like that. Um, but the, the problem for us is that the energy and food prices are, uh, have just continued to, to go up. And I know that Biden talked about doing a tax holiday and they said some crazy shit like, you know, oh, it's the corporate greed is what's driving, you know, um, these prices for, uh, for gasoline. But the truth of the matter is, is, is oil is set at the global level. It's not set by the United States. It is not set by Exxon Mobil or, you know, or Shell or BP or ConocoPhillips. It is set at a, at a global level. And, um, you know, until there's more supply in the market, then prices are probably going to stay somewhat elevated or either demand is going to have to come down. But I just don't see that happening in the summertime. You know, people are going to go on vacation and travel during the summertime, you know, and, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on oil, but, um, as I understand, we have released some of our strategic reserves. Um, as I understand, oil refineries in the U.S. are at capacity for, um, you know, for for uh, processing oil into gasoline. Uh, but so it's you know, the rest of the world. If if OPEC decided to release more gas or release more oil, then it would flood the market with supply. Um, you know, and maybe gas uh, prices would fall a little bit. But we have no tools for gas. <laughs> and the tax holiday is like 20 cents a gallon federal. Um, I don't know what state taxes are on gas. There's no but excuse you know, for gas prices to be what they are. There's, there's no excuse for it. I mean, it, it's, it, listen, this is intentional. I've said this, I'll consistently say it, the gas prices, this is intentionally inflicted pain on the American populace by a very small handful of people who are trying to force an agenda down throats while they still have power. You cannot convince me otherwise. Oh, I'm not going to try to not convince you. I mean, it's insanity, honestly. And and frankly, it's... I never want to be the guy that loses faith in like the American way and the American public. I try to, and I try not to be the guy that goes, everybody's, everybody's stupid. And and maybe in November I'll be proven right. I, I'm, I'm surprised there's not more just outrage because it could, it, you could solve the problem so quickly. Cause the truth is a fairly ineffective president did. So, and, and, so and it, and it did I, take a, you know, it took a little time for that to flow through. But yeah, if the work would have, if two years ago, we would have said, 
you know, hey, we uh, let's be realistic. There's no way that we're going to be, you know, dependent, independent of fossil fuels. That's just not a realistic policy. No. And we would have left the policy. I mean, even if they tightened it a little bit to say, hey, we would like to become less dependent on fossil fuels. And maybe you tighten the policy a little bit, you know, at the at the executive level of, you know, of government and and say, hey, we're, we're working on getting there. But versus just the pendulum swinging so far going, no, we're going to be totally independent of fossil fuels because it does. It takes a little bit of time to trickle through, um, well, uh, you know, for prices. But shit, dude, Trump. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a Trump fan like a, I'm not one of the. Trump's not my boy, but man, he had, he did have some pretty effective policies on energy. Yes, he on did. Economics. He was an asshole. But here's, here's like what, guy. here's what's wrong with um, Biden and his people on this. And I, I'm going to read from the wall street journal. This is from their editorial board and they're nailing it here. So it says, let's call the role on president's Bi- president Biden's ideas to reduce high gasoline prices. He's tried lobbying the Saudis to no avail, releasing oil from the U S strategic reserve. The market yawned attacking oil and gas companies for not drilling or refining enough, but he also wants to put those companies out of business. Now comes the feeblest effort so far, a White House request on Wednesday that Congress suspend the 18.4 cent a gallon federal gas tax for three months. That's only long enough to reduce the irritation of drivers or voters every time they fill up the tank during the summer driving season. Has there ever been a more transparently cynical vote-buying policy exercise? Ah, yes, we forget student loan cancellation. (laughs) Democrats have long mocked the idea of a gas tax holiday. In 2008, running against John McCain, Barack Obama... Obama smoked him on that. ...dismissed it as a political gimmick. Speaker Nancy Pelosi (laughs) sniffed at the idea this spring, and on Wednesday, even she refused to endorse it. She's claimed oil companies wouldn't pass the relief to consumers, and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has echoed that view. The federal... And they may be right. And they're probably right. The federal gas tax is levied when fuel leaves a refinery or is imported rather than at the point of sale. So a suspension would take time to filter to consumers and could be swamped by increases in the market price of crude. If crude prices climbed to $140 a barrel in the coming months, and they could, drivers might not even notice the tax holiday. That's what happened. Go ahead. ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, like, I mean, I'm not, this is not me being flippant by any stretch of the matter. And I, and I'm, and I, so I hope our listeners don't think that I'm being flippant or being like a, elitist or snooty but so if gasoline goes from four dollars and 59 cents a gallon to four dollars and 39 cents a gallon for middle class families i mean that does nothing of course not it needs to go to two dollars and 20 cents a gallon look this is stupid this is stupid three bucks but it's stupid 20 cents off does it's almost a slap in the face it's like oh hey i did you this favor and you're like "Uh, no you didn't to me i'm to me i'm gonna go you know, put this on a credit card. To me, his energy policies are the one thing that is sing- the single thing that is indicative of an agenda that is frankly anti-American. It 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 almost it tells me completely this guy doesn't like people like me. And when I say people like me, what do I mean? I mean fifty-year-old guy who works and drives a car. I mean, do you know how many Americans meet that criteria? Probably at least thirty five percent, thirty percent of U.S. Oh, I, I would, I would guess it's significantly higher than that. A fifty year old guys that drive cars? No, just people who drive cars. 
Oh, <laughs> my bad, dude. I thought we were talking no, about. No, I mean, but fifty-year-old. But, but I mean, just okay, cars. just a working-age person who drives a car. Yeah, I'm going to say that's seventy percent of the population. I'm convinced he hates that, those people. <laughs> those are also the voting age people. I mean, so a hundred percent of his can his voters. I mean, they have doubled down and doubled down and doubled down on energy. They, there's, there's, he's, there was a, a Quinnipiac poll where more than 60% of the people polled referred to the gas prices and rising energy prices as a quote crisis. Biden is flippant about it. He is flippant. Thanks for using my word, man. No, you're right. And, and, you know, and look, no matter what you think of Biden, whether you think he's sharp, whether you think he's the old man who confusingly falls on off his bike and really looks confused and scared, no matter what you, I'm, f- no I'm matter, terrified of the person that thinks he's sharp. No matter what you think of him, the people around him in his circle are elitist, and they have that is coming across in their policies. So our boy Jay Powell has no tools to impact this, this, this piece of the inflation curve. And I think that was what he was trying to make apparent to, uh, you know, the Senate and Congress people. And there were, you know, and, and everyone was trying to get their political jabs, you know, in and the questions that they were asking him. And, um, you know, and even some of them wanted him to comment on, you know, were we wrong pumping liquidity into the as much liquidity into the markets as we did? And, 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 you know, and he handled those questions very well um, saying like, Hey, uh, it's not our policy to make comments on. He's like, you hired me to do a job. I have two tools I can use. You know, I can uh, uh, price stability, i.e. raising or lowering rates, uh, interest rates and full employment. Those are his two mandates. Those are the two jobs that he's been given by the government to perform and he can't he's not going to comment on any other things but but i kind of look at this dude and i'm like man you got an impossible job and he's had an impossible since the beginning he has had an impossible job when he was when trump was in office he had an impossible job because i don't know if you remember trump beating him up on you know hey you should drop these rates to zero so that we can compete with china and he's like no that makes no sense from a from a you know philosophical policy standpoint and he was right at that point because if we would have dropped to zero when COVID hit, there would have we were no bullets in the gun at all. We'd have just had to take it on the chin. It had been worse than than what it was from from an economic standpoint. But they're behind the eight ball, man, and it's uh, and that kind of is his fault. Um, and I'm just being honest. I like Jay Powell. That's has been his blunder. Is um, he started this too late? And like we adjusted our portfolios last year in January thinking that he was going to start raising rates. I remember um, you saying that, you know, b- yeah. about mid year. Yeah. And then he didn't. And I was like, well, shit, we're just, we were super early to the party and that was okay. It ended up being the right thing to do. We just ended up being a year early to, uh, to the party. Can I read? I know we're, we're, we're running late. We're going to stop. Yeah, no, you're good. I want to read you a few read more something. paragraphs from this because this is, this is, this is, a, it's an opinion piece, but come on, it's the wall street journal that they, they're pretty good at this. He even writes this. This is where they're, they're, they're so conflicted, this administration. And for the record, 
Again, I wasn't a Trump guy. I I, I I'm 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 quickly becoming Team DeSantis, but I still would like to hear more from him. I yeah. like so far. You think Nikki Haley would be his number two? I think she would be on a short list of 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 candidates. Yeah, and I like her. I do, and dude, I'm I'm on the DeSantis train. I know it's early, and there's other some maybe some candidates haven't emerged yet. Uh, uh, well, we're, we're not we're not but a few months away from the start of that campaign cycle, and I mean, you know, we've yeah, we've, we've right. talked about this. I mean, if if November goes the way that that it should go, well, not even the way that it should go. If it goes the way that say Bernie Sanders says it's going to go, I mean, I'll, I'll use Bernie Sanders here as the great predictor, so that it doesn't look like I've I've got some right wing spin on this. I mean, Bernie <laughs> Sanders is probably as never far been, left as you can get. Yeah, probably never been called right wing, and I mean, he's he's telling them it's going to be really ugly anyway this back to this column it says a federal gas tax holiday could also rob the highway trust fund of about 25 billion dollars a year in revenue which was supposed to go toward funding last year's bipartisan infrastructure bill biden says congress shouldn't rob the highway fund but congress would have to deficit spend or find revenue somewhere else in recent months a shortage of refining capacity has been driving up gasoline prices Biden ordered U.S. refiners last week to come up with short-term solutions to increase capacity or else. But Biden won't take regulatory steps to ease the refinery shortage, such as reducing renewable fuel mandates. He, won't, he also won't issue a waiver to the Jones Act for transporting fuels. He refuses to take any action that would challenge the climate lobby. One result is that Lionel Bassell can't find a buyer for its aging Gulf Coast refinery, notwithstanding the industry's current hefty profits. The refinery plans to shut down by the end of the year, which could push up gasoline prices even more. Mr. Biden could help lure a buyer by suspending all policies aimed at punishing fossil fuels, but he won't. And the gap between fuel demand and supply isn't a short-term problem that will vanish with a ceasefire in Ukraine. The international agency last week warned that the global oil supply may struggle to keep pace with demand next year. ExxonMobil CEO Darren Woods warned Tuesday that supply could remain tight for five years. The only good news on the supply chain of late has been Biden's grudging concession to meet Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, whom he previously called a, quote, pariah, end quote. Biden's energy policy is a jumble of incoherence. He wants political relief from high gas prices, but only to get past the next election. What the U.S. oil and gas industry and American consumers need is a permanent regulatory holiday to increase domestic supply. Anything else is a holiday from reality. It's really well done. I could not agree with, could not agree with it more. It, it frankly, it frankly should be enough to cost. I'm 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 actually surprised there's not more pushback inside the Democratic Party on this. People are going to lose elections because yep. of Biden. Yep. But you if you push back in 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 watch, someone will call me a racist for what I just read. If you push but is this where we've we've created a culture of this this you can't say anything because if you say something, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe. This is about fuel. It's about yeah, energy. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know how any comment about fuel or energy, what that has had to do with anything 
especially the price just of kind of China. It's kind of where we've gone, though, as a, as a nation right now. We, 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 there's this weird world where we make really dumb decisions. <laughs> yeah, indeed, man. I mean, and, and we continue. And I'll, all I do is I look at our elected officials and go, man, that's the best we could do. And I mean, and I, and I don't mean that from a, you know, from a, that, that's not a Republican or Democrat comment. I mean, cause it was both of parties course. asking the same stupid question. I, I bet you it was, and I'm not lying about this, Neil, we can go back and look at the recordings. I bet it was, I bet it was four in a row. And I think it was, uh, maybe the Senator from Nevada, uh, the South Dakota, um, uh, and I can't remember which other states it was in, in sequential order, but it was like they ask the same, literally the same question, and almost didn't even didn't even rephrase the question. It was just the same question. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" He answered it already the first time, but I guess that's probably pandering to constituents to say, "Hey, look, I was on record asking this question, and you know, he didn't answer me directly." and uh, and I mean, that's probably all political posturing, but I was just like, my God, can we're wasting everybody's time doing this and probably money too. Hey, uh, enjoyed the time. I really did. It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, it was kind of a, it was a good show. It was, I mean, it's different all than over, normal yeah. stuff, but thanks for, yeah, I'm trying to think what I'll write in the description. It's like soccer and fuel and travel. I don't know. Travel and the fed. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, the Fed, soccer, and fuel prices. That's a uh, is Wizard of Oz. No, that's Kansas. <laughs> Never mind. It was a stretch. Hey, uh, thanks to everybody for making us a party week. We'll be back. Um, to my knowledge, we're both we're both good next next week for uh, another edition of the show. So, yep, the fourth is still a couple weeks away, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that, I don't even know what day of the week that's on. I don't either. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Let's figure it out real quick. So next thir- June thirtieth will be a Thursday. So July first is a Friday. Second, third, fourth is a Monday. I'm pulling up my calendar. Fourth is a Monday. Oh, that's pretty good. It gets a big long weekend. That's great. That's sweet. I love it. I hate it when it comes on like Wednesday. Yeah, because it's, it's just, like, just one day in the middle of right in the middle of the week. Too, I'll, be, I'll, I'll almost rather be like just let's just work through this and. <laughs> and just take off Friday or Monday. next year. So next year it'll be a Tuesday, which will turn into a five day holiday for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's fine. You know, yeah, right. Cause people will be like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and take an extra day of, you know, vacation. Yeah. And then, on, uh, and then it'll Monday be a Wednesday. A and then, but yeah, when, Wednesday's it, just, that sucks. Well, once yeah, it, once it becomes a Thursday, then, then it's like this mo- monumental. Yeah. Did you got another four day weekend, man? All right. But Wednesday, yeah. Jesus, jeez. <laughs> All right, my friend. I enjoyed it. Always enjoy it. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready that does it for this edition of Mind of My Money. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Until then, take care.